0: Okay, so lying on your back on the ground, just begin to check in with the sensations that you have coming from your contact with the floor. compared to uh, the meditation posture we were doing. There's so much more of you is supported by the floor now. So you can kind of enjoy and, and release into that support as much as you're able. attention to the contact of your shoulder blades with the floor. Notice if the left shoulder blade and the right shoulder blade feel equally in contact or if one feels a little more firmly in contact than the other. And you also may sense that there's a difference top to bottom, that the bottom is probably more in contact and the upper parts of the shoulder blade may actually be curling away from the floor a little bit. And we'll look at the model skeleton after this, have a look at the shoulder blades, but we'll just stick with sensation and self-image for now. And begin to just roll your arms a little bit in and out. The palms turning. You can kind of leave the arms on the ground for support, but the palms turning toward the floor and then toward the ceiling. And feel that movement not just in the hands, but in the forearms, the elbows, in the upper arms and then can you actually feel that all the way into your shoulder blades even if it's just a hint of movement or a a resonance and try out some different uh, paces with this movement so you could do it a little faster and then you could do it much much slower than how you started and see what what changes? What can you sense if you do it that slowly? <clears throat> okay, and pause the movement of your arms and just begin to roll your head a little bit side to side and just roll it as far as is comfortable and easy for you so you're not looking for any, um, not looking to push through any edge or certainly not find any painful spot in the neck even if the movements very small in this lesson we're looking more for a high quality, high detail movement rather than a big movement. That's not intrinsically better than a big movement. It's just that we're looking for certain kinds of information that are difficult to get unless you do a movement slowly with a lot of attention and usually in a slightly smaller range. And now see if you can bring... your attention to your breath as you continue to roll your head side to side. And I'll introduce uh, an image, so can you picture the breath expanding on the inhalation and flowing out on the exhalation in the upper part of your spine right beneath your neck? So your neck might be moving slightly side to side as you roll your head. Can you start to bring your upper spine into that image, maybe through the sensation of breathing there? So now the head rolling isn't just the head, it's the head as the uppermost part of the spine, the head and neck. And like Sue was pointing out a few minutes ago, all of the ways that the spine can rotate and move in different planes. Can you roll your head with the feeling and the self image of the rotating vertebrae in your neck? And if you notice that it's easier to go left than right, or vice versa, just go the same amount on the easier side as you go on the more difficult side. Pause with your head in the middle. Bring your forearms up onto your belly and cross them so that the two forearms cross in the middle. So you're not, it's, you're not crossing your arms in the way that we would normally think of that. It's like you're making an X out of your forearms. just going to come around and give a little feedback. So, yeah, like that, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, now that I see some of you doing it, I think a good way to describe it would be like, when they're going to rescue someone, um, they'll tell you, cross your arms over your chest, and that's kind of what it looks like. Now bring that forearm X shape up in front of your face so your elbows will be in the air. And this crossed spot of the forearms will be up a little higher in front of your face. Is that comfortable? Yeah. And let's have the um, let's have the left forearm on top of the right for now. Two of you are doing that. Maybe Jerry, you could switch. There we go. We're gonna do different configurations. And now begin to run your left forearm. Back and forth across your right forearm, kind of like you're drawing a bow across a string. And maybe have it at a little more of an angle, like. And see if you can maintain the contact of the two forearms as much as possible. And as you run your right forearm across your left forearm, sense that movement in your left shoulder blade. The left arm. So the point on the right forearm stays the same, and the left forearm, the point of contact, is changing as it runs back and forth. <clears throat> okay, and then bring your arms down and take a rest. Um, So the shoulder blades are these sort of triangular-shaped bones that sit against the backs of the ribs on the upper left and upper right part of the back. And what often happens in people with Parkinson's disease and also many, many other people is that the musculature between the spine, the ribs, and the shoulder blades glues the shoulder blades into one position or into one kind of small range of positions. And the result of that is that there's a lot of loss of mobility in the movement of the shoulder blades which is directly connected to any kind of reaching, any use of the shoulders or the arms, the spine and the shoulder blades are connected uh... skeletally but, but not in the back the shoulder blades connect through the collarbone to the sternum and the rib cage, and then through the ribs to the spine so actually that little gap, that little area between the spine and the inner edge of the shoulder blade on each side that can open up If you just um, shrug your shoulders forward a little bit right now, forward toward the ceiling, and then let them back, you'll feel that that space next to the spine on each side gets a little bit bigger, a little more open. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. You can pause from that uh, shrugging movement or bringing the shoulders forward, and make sure you release any any work or any residue of that movement. <coughs> and I'll have you come back into the position of making that X with your forearms and I'm going to use a a prop here to actually, yeah there we go I'd like to use this prop with you too Sue so you can actually rest your forearms oops there and then see if you can get them at an, um, at an angle to each other like that. You can play around with that and see maybe two would be better than three. Yeah, there we go. But such that they cross in the middle. Yeah, good. <clears throat> okay, and um, again have the left forearm on top of the right one. And begin to slide the right forearm back, excuse me, the left forearm back and forth on the right forearm. So, one way to do that movement is such that the spot on the right forearm that's not moving gets closer to the wrist and elbow on the left forearm. And then the other plane of movement would be to leave the spot of contact the same on the left forearm and bring that closer to the wrist and elbow of the right forearm. So I'll come around and try to clarify that, those two options a little bit. So one is um, this direction, and then the other is more this direction, yeah. Is it pulling back on the arrow, or is that? I wonder, and actually, let's switch, just because this is narrower at that side, that might give you a little more space. Yeah, so you've got this direction down, closer to the, closer to this wrist, and then closer to this elbow. And then the other direction would be this plane here. Now the spot of contact is closer to this elbow and closer to this wrist. Good. And a couple of times just see if you can switch those two types of movement, clarifying for yourself whether the point of contact stays the same on the left forearm or on the right forearm. And if it's confusing, you can let go of that idea and just move the forearm against the other one with particular attention to the movement of your shoulder blade. Okay, and when you've explored that as much as you'd like, and feel free to continue if you're checking part of it out, then bring your arms down and take a rest. And you can take those cushions off while you're resting. And check in with the contact of your shoulder blades now, noticing if anything has changed, if there's a more active uh, sense of presence in that part of yourself. Next we're going to move to a, a different movement but that has a similar focus on movement in the shoulder blades. So bring your attention into the contact of your right hand and arm with the ground. And you might notice what direction is your palm pointing, how much of your wrist or forearm is in contact. And now begin to slide that right arm away from you, still on the floor, sliding it out to the side just a little bit and then slide it back. And Then do it again, sliding it out, keeping it in contact with the floor. You may find that you need to turn your wrist over at a certain point to keep the slide happening. And don't really go above shoulder height for now. Just sliding it back and forth, sensing the movement, and sensing it in that right shoulder blade. And continuing to breathe as you do that movement. And if you notice a part of the movement that feels thick or glitchy, you can. Check that out a little more carefully. See, is there another way you could approach it that it wouldn't be that way? The normal advice in a Feldenkrais lesson would be to go more slowly. I think for someone with Parkinson's, you also might be interested in doing it more quickly. Check out both options. and now as you continue to slide that right arm away from you now we'll turn it into something more like a pendulum so as it swings back let it contact your right side and then slide your hand up onto yourself maybe it'll be like the top of your thigh and then back out and see if you can then slide the arm over your right hip and then further and maybe reaching for your left hip a little bit. Still feeling that shoulder blade on the right side. Okay, and then next time your arm is by your side, just let it stay there and take a rest. Before we started I was talking with Jerry about this book I've been reading The Brain's Way of Healing by Norman Doidge and there's a chapter in here about a man with Parkinson's who used, uh, who used a very uh, rigorous walking regimen um, and saw really strong improvement in his symptoms from doing that and continues to do it today But what the the pivotal change or one, one of two or three pivotal changes for this guy and how he thought about it is that he adopted what he calls conscious control of his movement. So he had been getting a lot of exercise, but he'd been doing it in a way where he wasn't really present in his body. He was just exercising in a habitual way. And over time, he taught himself to be very aware of how he was doing a movement. And the the reason I'm bringing this up now is because the, uh, the shoulder blades can be used in a conscious way while walking. If you think about the issue of swinging the arms, that's so important for people with Parkinson's and walking. Just the idea of swing my arms is one thing and it certainly is helpful, but if you can break that down into really uh, an accurate and useful self-image that involves the rib cage, the shoulder blades, the bones of the arms, then I think this kind of conscious control Um, becomes more accessible. Um, I'm just going to read a little passage from the book that's actually a quotation uh, from Oliver Sacks, the famous uh, neurologist and writer. The central problem in all Parkinsonian disorders Sacks has written is passivity. And I think he means passivity in terms of the loss of neurotransmitters. So the central problem in all Parkinsonian disorders is passivity, as the central cure for all of them is activity of the right kind. The essence of this passivity lies in peculiar difficulties of self-stimulation and initiation, not in the capacity to respond to stimulation. This means, in the severest cases, that the patient is totally unable to help himself, although he can be very easily helped by other people. In less severe cases, the Parkinsonian patient can help him or herself in a limited fashion by using his normal and active powers to regulate his pathological or deactivated ones. The problem, then, is to provide a continual stimulus of the appropriate kind. And the author of this book, Doidge, goes on to talk about what kind of stimuli can we present to ourselves. And I would suggest that this kind of novel, attentive movement is exactly that, the kind of stimulus he's talking about. So begin to slide your right arm out away from you on the floor again. Let's stick with the right arm for now and we'll bring the left in in a moment. And then slide it back so that the palm of your right hand slides up onto your right hip and then across to your left hip. See if you can maintain a sense of length in the right arm. And slide it back across to the right hip to the floor and out, maybe to shoulder height. If you have any injuries in your right shoulder or in either shoulder as we do this, be careful, and you can always um, constrain yourself to just part of the movement. I'll describe how to make it bigger, but you can stop when it's enough for you as well. Then bring your arm back down across the right hip to the left hip. And then start to think about sliding it up toward your left shoulder. <clears throat> and then back to the left hip, the right hip. So it's as if your right shoulder were the center of a clock and your right arm is an, is an arm of the clock And now explore for yourself making a full circle with that arm. Noticing when does the right shoulder blade peel more away from the floor? When does it press more firmly into the floor? If a full circle doesn't seem possible for you today, then just doing the parts that are accessible and that are interesting to you. Noticing your breath. Okay, and then let your arm come down and take a rest. And now bring your attention into your left arm and begin to slide the left arm away from you and then back and up onto the left hip. And at your own pace, increase this movement going back and forth within a couple of guidelines. And the guidelines are you keep a certain sense of straightness or length in the arm and keep the arm in contact either with your body or the floor as much as you can. And remember that the point of the movement is not to complete the movement, it's to sense the movement. Sensing in particular the activity of the shoulder blade. Could you gently roll your head left and right even as you continue to do the arm movement? It's a a little more of a challenge perhaps. And you can switch directions of the movement of the arm here and there. Okay, and then pause, and when you've completed as much as you'd like, pause and take a rest. Again, sense the contact of your back with the floor, the shoulder blades, the spine, the pelvis, the arms. Now begin to slide both arms away from you just a little bit, eight inches or foot and then back. And then swing them both out a little bit higher, slide them both out a little higher, <clears throat> and back, and let them both come up onto their respective hips, and cross your hands over the front of yourself, and then back, sliding back the other way. This can be a very beautiful movement, like a on like a wings of a bird or something like that, and in your own time, explore as much of this as you'd like. To the extent of making full circles with both arms, and really staying present with the shoulder blades. noticing how the spine in between the shoulder blades is not moving much. It's it's kind of pinned against the floor, whereas the shoulder blades have this whole range of circular movement available to them, but maybe differently on one side than the other, depending on your habits of use or if you've had a surgery or an injury on a shoulder. if you'd like you could go back to just circling one arm and not the other if you're curious to revisit that and changing directions whenever you'd like And notice how when the arms are up, up higher or even overhead, how much that helps to open the chest. The front of your chest might come forward a little bit, a feeling of a little bit more space available around the solar plexus, in the rib cage. and then let that movement come to a close and take a rest. and one last time just roll your head a little bit left and right and see if you can keep the self-image of your shoulder blades and your spine there as you move your head. <clears throat> a self-image for a, from a Feldenkrais perspective might involve an image but more important than that is a, a sensation, a sort of that the awareness of these parts of yourself is present in your movement. So, for instance, I could ask you to add your left foot into your self image of this movement. You're still just rolling your head left and right, but now your left foot has become part of the awareness of the movement. Okay, and in your own time, find a way to come onto one side or the other and come to sitting and eventually all the way up to standing. Here you go, Jerry. Thank you. <clears throat> and if you if you don't mind, maybe you could all stand down at this end of the room, and we're just going to finish the lesson with some walking. <clears throat> um, so you can spread out this way a little bit, so you each have kind of a walking lane. And <clears throat> Before we start, just um, reach a little bit left and right, like you reach with your right arm across toward the space in front of your left shoulder and vice versa, or even further to the side. And as you do that, feel your shoulder blades. <coughs> Okay, and then change that movement to just uh, swing the arms. So it's a similar quality to that reaching, but in a, in a more forward and back plane now. And now just take that exaggerated arm swing into walking back and forth. <coughs> And don't be afraid to really keep it exaggerated. Just however much exaggeration of the movement makes it very clear to you that the arms are moving and the shoulder blades are involved in that movement. And you can play around with it. Let it subside, get a little bit smaller. And then, if you find that you've lost the awareness of it, bring it back to a more exaggerated state. Do you feel any bend in your elbows as the arms move? Any movement in the wrist? And the subject of the lesson will do next any rotation in the spine? <clears throat> okay, and you can just um, walk at a, at a more normally or less exaggerated arms, but keeping that awareness of the arms intact and walk around as you like, and then we'll take a little break.